Once again, it is Chris Ranks the Universe. And that's me. I'm Chris. At least last time I checked. And I hopefully still am. Chris O'Mealy is going to rank the universe. And the Disney animation movies are reaching the top 20. The top 20. The best of the best. And where do I put these movies on a list? Oh, man. I don't even know. These are really actually kind of hard to rank. But we're going to do our best here. Joining me, of course, on this journey to rank my top 20 films, to react appropriately or inappropriately, depending on how we want to do this. His name is Jeff Trelowitz. Which is also at least the name on my underwear, so I'm hoping that's me. (sighs) At least last time you checked. (laughs) And did you know that you can listen to Jeff Trelowitz Right here on CKCC Radio by tuning into Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. Yep, we'll have a new uh, Real Paranormal Talk probably tomorrow. And I think I'm going to do the three most haunted cities in the South. Ooh, I think that'll one. be a fun one. That's going to be a good one. Did you Hopefully also Hopefully my know... hometown of New Orleans will be in there. It is. Yes. <laughs> Did you also know... Jeff is a published author, and you can buy his books on Amazon. If you look up Jeff R. Trelowitz, he's there. And fun fact, if you actually want to, if you go to barnesandnoble.com, you can also buy two of my books from there as well. So there's a weird deal that Amazon and Barnes & Noble have where pricing a, a certain price goes to Barnes & Noble as well. So I'm like, sure, go to Barnes & Noble too. There you go. Paranormal Contact, volume three volumes. Everything comes full circle. Time Traveler's Journal, an object of my obsession. Get a copy. Or all of them. Do all of them. You can get the hard copy or you can get they're also available on uh, the Kindle or a Kindle app. And, of course, Mark Adams is joining us, and he does the writing, too. He's not, the, pu- he's not the published writer. He's the blogger. <laughs> B-L-O-G-G-A-H. Yeah. Blogger! And he likes the Red Sox, just like Jeff does. So maybe there's, there's, some, there's some freaking New England accent in there. I don't know. Yeah, you're outnumbered. Ah, it's fine. I've gotten used to it being a fan of the most hated team in all of sports history. By the way... but you're not an annoying fan. Yeah, I'll give you that. No, there's plenty of those, and I don't deal with them either. Yeah. If you guys want to read the newest Marked Reviews, that's markedreviews.wordpress.com, is part one of Originals vs. Sequels, which... Of the original films, does Mark prefer, and which of the sequel films does Mark prefer? Uh, spoiler: I agree with three of them. Ooh. And I disagree with two. Oh, that math adds up. Yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Hold on, I- I've got to get my calculator just to be sure. So when I wrote that, I spent the most time writing the title. And I didn't even end up using it. It was going to be like Mark Two, Mark Lives, Revenge of the Sequels, Mark Reviews Sequels versus Originals. 
and I saw it in writing, like on the blog post header, and I said, I can't use that. So uh, at least you didn't go with Mark II Electric Boogaloo. Oh, <laughs> Mark thank you for that throwback. Mark II, this time it's personal. <laughs> this time the weather calls for Jersey rain. <laughs> that might happen. That would be a great crossover. Right. So, guys, top 20. How do you rank your all-time favorite Disney movies? Not just put them in order, but also give them the attention that they deserve. Well, it's a lot harder than you might think. We're going to be very positive now. (laughs) More positive than we have been. No more dinosaur. No more home on the range. Thank you. We're gonna be we're gonna be very positive here. So let's do the top twenty, so we can tie it in for the big finale next week. But this is gonna be fun too, because there should be some surprises on here as to why these movies ended up as high as they did, and I think people will understand and appreciate why some did. You guys got your lists out? Have you have you tried to figure out what hasn't made it onto the the list yet? So you can try and f- play the guessing game as we go along. I've got a fairly good idea. I haven't been tracking it, but I can tell by because I'm on Wikipedia and it'll tell me what I've actually looked at recently. So I can tell which we haven't talked about. Those those and blue I, links are uh, still there, not the purple. Yep. I I'm the nerd who uh, has kept a list. Every time you name a movie, I have kept a list of your list. That's awesome. When you're when we're nerd! all. When you're yep. all done, send me that list because <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna utilize it in a different capacity. I'm gonna make a blog because I cleaned up my blog and finally took down the uh, the super active ridiculous podcast posts that were flooding it, so I can actually do some writing again. People will read it, but I'm gonna put all six parts up, and then I'm gonna put the list at the bottom. So I'll be like, listen to this, but if you really want to just see the list with a short little blurb as to why it's there. Uh, you can do that too. But then if you're like, wait a minute, why is this down here? And you're just like, this movie sucks. I want to hear more. Well, I got a podcast for that. <laughs> See how this works, people? Uh-huh. All right. So when we last left off, I surprised a lot of people by talking about Frozen in the number 21 spot. And I think that threw a lot of people off that a movie I've claimed was overrated made it this high. Well... Strap on, guys, because we're going to talk about Frozen again. Only, only this time, we're going to talk about Frozen 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh. Ice, ice Town. The Ice Town with the Ice Clown? The Ice Town. Yeah, damn you, Ice Town! By the way, Park, Parks and Rec special was amazing. Yes, it was. Yes. All right, so why am I putting the Frozen sequel right next to the original? Well, when I liked it, I liked it more than the original. But I didn't like it more than the rest of the movies on my list. So I was like, well, that's an easy spot to put it in. So why Frozen 2 over Frozen is really going to be the big question. And the bottom line is, I think this movie expands upon the source material from the first and intensifies it, which is what I want a good sequel to do. You know, Empire Strikes Back takes the original Star Wars and it expands the universe. It ups the stakes. It does a lot of 
it, it adds more drama. There's more tension. You know what I mean? There's the, the really good movie sequels will do something like that. As good as the first Avenger was, Winter Soldier was act even better. There were higher, oh, a doubt. higher stakes, more drama, more twists. Thank you for the shout out of my original verse sequel. You're welcome. With that, by the way. <laughs> so for Frozen 2, I think I like where Elsa's story continued. Her trying to find, figure out the origin of her powers, realizing her true destiny. I liked Anna still being a hero and where her story took her in the end. And, well, we've already done enough spoilers on this. She actually <laughs> becomes queen. She gets uh... to take over the kingdom. I like the fact that Kristoff still, they don't do any kind of cop-out with him as just being the guy that Anna's into. Even though his failed attempts at proposal are really hysterical, they do a really good job with him. And they take elements from the first movie and intensify them. There is way more emotional moments in this one. Like, even though he doesn't actually die permanently, Olaf dies. And that's heart-wrenching to see. Elsa discovers what happened to her parents and gets information on them. And they don't do... The typical Disney... I was actually worried. I'm like, she's going to discover that her parents are still alive. And they've been all over here all this time. And it's going to be really lame. They don't actually do that. So I give them credit for not going that direction. The payoff is great. The animation is stunning. And the soundtrack, dare I say it, is better than the first one. Ooh. And, that, <laughs> and that's, a, that's a tough one for people to hear. But I was wrong. There you go. No, there you go. I I really liked... I, I'd say the weakest thing about this movie is that... I was kind of interested to hear more about that the clan in the, will, in the woods. Ryder and Honey Marin and all that. And they're really not as big a part of the movie as you'd think they're going to be. Right. So now, having not seen Frozen 2, the one thing I will say for it is it while you're saying that it expands on the story and makes everything better, it's less overkill. I look at how big Frozen 1 was and everywhere you turned around, somebody was in a blue dress singing Let It Go. With this, it seems to be more minimal, where it's not, you know crossing over every levels of pop culture yet is still relatable. <laughs> and yet they totally do a pop culture 80s ballad. Yeah, they do. My favorite Ooh, song from the movie. Which is amazing. By the way, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't care what kind of a uh, benevolent leader you are. If you're throwing open your freaking window and screaming out it at 3 in the morning, I don't like you. Damn it, Elsa. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> We're trying to sleep. And of course, you know, you could talk about all the symbolism as her story unfolds, her hair becomes straighter and blah, blah, blah. And it is. Yeah. No, I liked it better than the first one, but not not better than any other film on my list. So I was like, yeah, Frozen 2 is going to go right next to Frozen. But I think that's fine because I could watch these two back to back and be thoroughly entertained. Yeah, I I think Frozen 1 was definitely we already talked about it overplayed, overhyped, oversaturated. Um, but I think Frozen 1 as a film is has a better 
storyline and soundtrack, but I had a lot of fun with Frozen. It's like a high adventure movie. It takes it literally into the unknown. I I see what you did there. uh, (laughs) I get that reference. I don't even think Into the Unknown was the best song. And, of course, that's the one that got nominated. Yeah, usually how it works. Yeah, frustrating. But, yeah, it's no, it's uh, it was good. Now, the the biggest disagreement I'm going to see is a, there's a lot of people who still, like, prefer the first one over the second one. And I'm not going to argue with you on that because I can understand and see both sides of that. The people yeah. I don't understand are the people who actually thought Frozen 2 sucked. And which there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, there are. And I, I honestly don't see it because I was I thought it was phenomenal. And like after seeing the first movie and being underwhelmed by the, the hype and oversaturation, having to come to terms with it, I went into this one with some real cautious optimism. I'm like, let's see what they do here. And I walked out of it going, that was great. That was great. I want to watch that again. So, Yeah. I will give I will give credit where credit is due. Uh, for number nineteen on my countdown, we're going to talk about another sequel, a very anticipated sequel that I was very excited to see because I loved Wreck It Ralph and I wanted to see what would happen to those characters, it, it, maybe even more than Frozen, which is why it's above it on the list. We got to return to Litwax Arcade. And revisit my boys, Ralph and Felix, and my main girl, Vanellope. Although Felix isn't really in this one, but... He shows up occasionally. (laughs) Now, obviously, we haven't talked about Wreck-It Ralph yet, so Ralph Breaks the Internet is below the first one, unlike the Frozen stuff. And the only reason it's below it is because the first movie, even though it was high on the video game references, had a much more focused story. This one definitely took opportunity to be more focused on memeing and joking, which doesn't make it bad, but puts it below its predecessor, in my opinion. Uh, But, like I said, I like the story. I think a lot of it works. I was excited to see Ralph go to the internet and see how many references they were going to make. And they did every reference I wanted them to make, except there was no subtle jab at porn. I, well, I, it's a Disney kids movie. There's no way there was going to be a still, reference. But it's still it's still Disney, and they could have snuck something in. But they that wouldn't be the first time. But they did the dark web, so I'll give them credit for that. I <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I just I can't believe you went there with the porn. Um, I well, the internet is for porn. It's true. That's what um, Trekkie Monster taught me. I will say this movie is way down the list for me. I remember I left the theater going, Wreck-It Ralph 2 broke my heart because I loved the first one. The second one, I felt the story was weak. They made Ralph a whiny little needy baby. Um, I did appreciate the Disney princess scene. And don't get me wrong, there are good moments in it. But I think overall, it's... I almost want to say one of the more forgettable Disney sequels. Which is a shame because I really think that that princess scene, which definitely helped it in the long run. But I've said this before and I'm going to say it again on here. 
And I'm because now we're trying to convince that people are spying on my podcast, and I do think that's happened because some of my wrestling ideas have happened. We can go back and track that. Actually, we've talked about stuff like freaking Matt Hardy stuff, and then he went and he did it. And I'm like, well, either he's listening or some writer's listening. Uh, yeah, the Disney princesses in that form and in those character traits should have their own action adventure series on Disney Plus. And I've even come up with ways that you can do it. The ones who aren't, who aren't like tough warriors who wouldn't be out there fighting would be the ones that quote unquote work at the base, like Aurora and Snow White and Cinderella. And then the you can combine the ones with with actual strength and the ones who actually have superpowers. And because apparently Pocahontas is an Airbender now, so <laughs> I'm just saying you can turn that into an action adventure series. And it would be very entertaining, and I think people would really get into it. And don't just use them. Incorporate the ones who weren't in the movie. Disney Plus, I hope you're listening once again. You better be. Um, Do it. I, so we'll talk about the, the positives and the negatives. Um, the, main, the, the main negative for me was that it was too much internet focus, not enough video game focus, which is what I loved about the first one. But again, I understand why they did it. I would definitely agree with what Mark said that Ralph becomes practically unlikable in certain points here because he's just being really selfish. Although I think the movie was meant to focus more on Vanellope's character growth more than his. Agreed. 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 But but still, that's a factor. I would have liked to see more Felix and Calhoun in it because I did like those characters. Although I do like how they become the perfect parents, and that's my favorite joke, which is when they they explain what happened. <laughs> I wish everybody could hear that. <laughs> um, I'm still disappointed that Mario did not make a cameo after they said he would. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, we just couldn't work him in. I'm like, you guys suck. I wanted Mario in this so bad, and then he's just not. So now you have to make a Ref- Wreck-It Ralph 3. You just have to. I I think my biggest annoyance with the movie is the title. But he does break the internet, literally. I know, but uh, I, I understand the reference. Hell, they even had to explain it in the movie because I felt like the writers who are brilliant knew people would go, why didn't you call it Ralph Wrecks the Internet? I yeah. get it, but I, I just, heck, even when I talk about it, I still always go, oh, you know, Ralph Wrecks the Internet. And then, of course, the Disney people go, no, it's Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> and I go, that's fine. You call it that. That's its name. I call it this. That's cool. Yeah. There you go. Oh, can we can we talk about the giant Ralph made of Ralph? That was probably my least favorite part of the movie because I was just like, yep, we have to do this. And he's. I mean that's such a that's such like a shitty villainous thing to do is he releases a virus into the game that could have actually killed her. Yeah. It was so disturbing though when you see all the Ralphs like, oh, moving friend. around like yeah. the animation. Oh my god, bravo to you for making a very creepy character. Scary. <laughs> but then I love that the princesses come back and use all their powers to save a big strong man in need of rescue. <laughs> yes appreciative i do enjoy the 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 uh oh my disney scene just because of the fact that 
It's like, it's yes, it's Disney bragging about everything they own now, but at least they incorporated a lot of that stuff to be comedic. Like, the Groot Q&A, where he just keeps saying, I am Groot, over and over again. <laughs> yep. And uh, just the other random character appearances, and to just go back and freeze frame and try to find everybody I thought was pretty cool. It was originally supposed to be Disney Infinity, but Disney Infinity uh, got canceled, and they went and they changed it and made it the website, so... I remember that, yeah. And the the mid credit scene is amazing. <laughs> yes. Pancake milkshake. I, the, uh, brilliant to them for uh, also teasing everybody with the Frozen 2. Oh, yeah. Feet. And they rickrolled and us. And I remember everybody in the theater just was like, Frozen 2. And then they rickrolled them and it was just, the theater just became alive. <laughs> They Ralph rolled us. Oh. That song's a real earwig. Get out. <laughs> I did like the... I, I thought the new characters were fun. You had uh, Spamly, which was Bill Hader. You had Yes. You had Nosemore. Shank. I, so, I did like Gail Godot, her character. That was that was. Oh, she fun. was she was great. Yeah. She was fantastic. And and I just love the uh, the angry gamer who throws his controller at the TV. <laughs> yeah. This is the worst day of my life. And and that part was great too. All the animation where they're actually moving like video game characters. Yeah. So yeah, I I appreciated it. And of course, they got their own Disney reference in there by having Vanellope sing. But it yep. was hysterical. Yep. So to sum it up. The parts that were good were really good, and the parts that weren't were were bad to forgettable. Now, I know I said it's one of the more, like, not... I said forgettable sequels. I don't hate the movie. I just think for it to be this high on your list, I, I think it needed a little bit more to be... to deserve this high on your list. Well, like I said, there's too many things about the movie that I really like. And want to rewatch over and over again. So, but that's fair assessment. You don't like it that high? I'm sure other people won't either. <laughs> but it could have been higher. Hey, could have been higher. All right. So now we're in the top 18. This is where the list itself got really hard. Because I could make a comprehensive argument for any of these movies, but putting putting stuff down. It was almost kind of painful, but you have to do it, right? Yep, yep. That's why we're here. So coming in at number 18 is a movie that is definitely overlooked and really shouldn't be because it's very clever, has a lot of heart, and even some really good visuals with a heartwarming story, and that's Bolt. Whoa. And I think... What are we woeing about Bolt? You just no too you're high, gonna, too high or too low. Um, no, no, no. You this is your show. You do. Your <laughs> oh yeah, now high. okay, yeah. You oh, I ranked it that high. I see where you are on this one. <laughs> so I actually saw this in the theater when it came out on my birthday, which was fun. Uh, I saw three movies in the theater that day on my birthday. One of them was Twilight. The, I'm sorry. The other one was Quantum of Solace. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, Bolt blew them away. (laughs) So that's, it wasn't. I'm not even going to argue with that. It wasn't hard competition. But, so I really liked the idea of the superhero dog on the TV show. And of course, John Travolta, who I thought did a really good job. And the fact that he doesn't know, it was like Buzz Lightyear. He doesn't know he's not actually a superhero. Yes. Which also is kind of emotional because I almost feel like he's being abused as a dog. And I didn't like that. But he frees himself and has all of his come to term moments. He teams up with the poor poor cat who turns out to be declawed and abandoned, which really wrenches at the heartstrings because I know people who've done that to their pets and it's terrible. Yeah. And then of course, Rhino, the little hamster who I guess that family doesn't miss him because he literally runs away. (laughs) I'll get my ball. I'll get my ball. (laughs) And, uh, I liked Bolt's little journey and everything. And I liked all of his, you know, he's coming to terms being a, a real dog and they teach him how to how to beg and how to be cute and how to fetch and yeah now I, i've never actually seen bolt but looking at the cast i have to see it now because who plays thug i don't remember yeah i don't remember you might want to snap into a slim jim oh, oh that's wow. right i forgot about that yeah there's a. Uh, I think he may be the first wrestler to be in a Disney movie. Ooh, yeah. You gotta look that one up. Before Rock did it. Rock was in a couple of Disney movies, actually. Because yeah. the game plan was Disney, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll say this about Bolt. I know it's it's high for me on your list because of just kind of like the recycled storyline, but I will say, I think Bolt is a good movie. John Travolta is the dog is brilliant. And I just remember one day we were looking for something fun to put on for the break room movie. And I put on Bolt and you just saw so many people were like, Oh, what movie is this? And I, you go, Oh, it's Bolt. And people were like, Oh, I heard it's not that good, but it's one of those movies where, you unfortunately have those trolls who say a movie's not good. So everyone's like, oh, I heard it's not good. But then they sat down and watched it. And they realized they were wrong. And, yeah, if you sit down to watch Bolt, you'll go, I'm actually really entertained right now. You know what I do? You know what I love? Every time he encounters the pigeons in a different area, they're all stereotypical. Like the, <laughs> uh, the good feathers from Animaniacs are basically the ones from New York. <laughs> they even use the same color scheme and everything, so you know that was intentional. Yep. Yo, I know this dog. Yo, it's on the b- tip of my tongue here. Oh, and then it's all the all the surfer surfer jerks on the L.A. shoreline. All right, yep. you ready for this? Aliens, booyah! And then when they retire to the little the little country abode in the Midlands, it's just the nah, I've never seen that dog in my life. <laughs> so I appreciated that. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a it's a very clever take. It's got a lot of heart and I think it's very underappreciated and very overlooked. Yes. Give Bolt another chance. It's on Disney Plus. At number 17, people are going to have a problem with me putting this movie this low on my list. 
because it's a classic and it's beloved and it's part of the renaissance and all that. And people are going to be like, how can you say it's only number 17? Well, this is what we're here for. This is why I'm going to plead my case. Who did you think of when you did that impression? I felt like that was somebody from Hall of Presidents or something. Oh, huh, maybe. <laughs> uh, we don't discuss that on this show, but it may it may uh, have been it may have been <laughs> something like that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's The Little Mermaid. Ooh. Now, I will say right now, The Little Mermaid is a good movie, which is why it's higher than other stuff I've talked about. But I don't think it's better than the stuff that came after it. It's part of that renaissance. And I'll tell you why. Uh, first off, Ariel is by far one of the brattiest and most frustrating princesses on the list. She has literally everything, but still wants more. She's, you know, people are like, oh, well, I can relate with the rebellious teenager thing. When she's like, I'm 16, I'm an adult. You're like, bitch, no, you're not. <laughs> No, <laughs> you are not an adult. You cannot make decisions on your own. And like people are like, oh, but Triton's being too tough on her. It's like, yes, but her mother was killed by humans. So, yeah, he doesn't want her going to the surface because we see what happens there. You can't really blame him for that. And she just she circumvents his will at every point and is just can get really frustrating. Then she makes a really stupid decision. Hey, I'll sign a contract without reading it so I can get a vagina. What the hell is this girl's problem? I don't know that that was actually written in the contract, but it may have been. I ripped that off from Nostalgia Chick, but... But yeah, that yeah, that's not my line, sadly, because it's too brilliant to be me. Um... Other than Ariel being frustrating, especially considering that she can't, like, she clearly knows how to write, so she couldn't have just written on a piece of paper, uh, yeah, I'm the girl that saved you, dumbass. Freaking Eric, he's not really that brilliant either. But at least he's a likable and heroic prince. Unlike that charming guy that just kind of wanders around the woods and kisses corpses. But, yeah, so... He is kind of dumb, but at least he's, you know, he, I can understand why he's endearing. Um, but Ariel's curiosity is actually something to behold, in a way. Because, like, and I love her interactions with Scuttle. And all of the, and the fact that he just doesn't know jack shit, but she doesn't know any better. So, he's just Star like. Blast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just making shit up on the spot. And. There's nobody to correct correct him. Now, I will say this. Let's talk about the positives here. Sebastian, one of my favorite Disney characters ever. Yay. I love Sebastian the Jamaican Crab. Oh, Ursula. Oh, she's the sea witch. Ariel, you can't be defying your father like that. He's Jamaican me crazy. Oh, dear. <laughs> Security. Yep. And Ursula is a damn good villain. Yes. yes. 
she has a great villain song, that poor unfortunate souls, where it just gets more intense as she goes on. She's practically screaming the lyrics. Um, she's very cunning. And, you know, you can say Ariel's dumb for going along with it, but Ursula is conniving for taking advantage of how gullible she is. Yep. And, and speaking of poor unfortunate souls, for me, one of the positives about Little Mermaid is the soundtrack, because you think about how many good songs came off of this. Under the, part under of your the, world, yeah. under the sea, kiss the girl. There, there's so many great songs off this one particular soundtrack. So. Absolutely right, and I mean, there's a reason that show at Hollywood Studios is still going on. Is just those songs come on and people love them still. Even the day. even the new Dark Ride in the new Fantasyland was really good. Yeah, for how simple cute, it is. Very cute, family friendly ride. Uh, Part of Your World is one of the best Disney princess ballads they've ever done. Yes. And Under the Sea is, what would you, that's like the fun song that comes out of the movie. And yeah. it's one of the best ones that they've ever yep. done too. So yeah, the soundtrack is absolutely stunning. And it's the best part of the movie. Um, fun fact about Little Mermaid, this is the first movie I ever saw in the theaters when I was a kid. Ooh. And the, the, Final battle with Ursula where she becomes giant actually scared me when I was a kid. I could understand that. I mean, yeah. I was like five years old. So, and, uh, if, you know, and I, I talk. I'm, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, then again, when I was a kid, I, I was afraid of the Rancor from Return of the Jedi. So, I, well, I could understand being afraid of Ursula at the same age. The Rancor has got a taste for pork. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, he, do- he does. But, hey, Luke killed that thing without any lightsabers and didn't even really use the Force. Nope. Good old Luke. But, yeah, um, like I said, Eric's kind of dumb. Because, like, the girl who rescued him was redheaded and couldn't speak. And then the girl he's like, oh, it had to be you, is dark-haired and Ken. So, like, why is he dumb? But you know what? He stabs Ursula with the bow of a ship. <laughs> so he gets a lot of credit by the end of the movie. Like, And yeah, she definitely got what she deserved. That's one of those villains where even though you love the villain, you like, yeah, she needs to die because she earned that. And she totally did. And she does. And it's great. But yeah, the only reason it's it's lower on my list is because... It's. Uh, I don't think Ariel. It should be a an admired Disney princess. Now I know there's a lot of young girls who loved her because she was a redhead, and like one of my really close friends, Claire. That's her favorite character because she's a redhead and related to Ariel so strongly. So I get that. Uh, and you know she came out right at that right time, 1989, when a lot of people my age. Or similarly would have been younger. Or even girls who were born in the 90s could still relate to that young Disney princess. Because there still weren't a lot of redheads to look up to. But take take Ariel out of the equation there. And, and also the fascination with all these girls who want to be mermaids. Oh. Good thing we don't know anyone like that, right Chris? I can, I can name five off the top of my head and I'm not even friggin' kidding. 
No, well, you know who I'm referring to. You're referring to one of two, and you're, and I'm right, no matter which one I guess, because because <laughs> there were two of them we worked with at Disney. Yeah, I, I, I only know one, so I, I'm curious who the other one is uh, now. You you know the second one. You had a crush on her. Oh, that's who I'm referring to. No, your number one crush also wanted to be a mermaid. Uh, oh, oh, you did. Yes, yes. You okay. Did. Okay. Yeah, you can ask. You can ask us off air. I'm throwing that out there right now. Yo, nah, that's why I wasn't naming names. Little Mermaid's not bad, but get the hell out of here with get the hell out of here with that attitude, Ariel. Otherwise, it's good. And it was the it was it was the film to launch the renaissance of movies that I haven't talked about almost any of them yet. So, well, except that Phil Collins one. <laughs> and uh, and there are colors in the wind, but we'll get to the rest. All right. So, this next movie we're going to talk about here, I actually genuinely had a problem putting it this low on the list. And even in the number 16 spot. But, Jeff is going to be upset that it's this low. Mark is going to be upset that it's this high. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, I know, I know. It takes place on a small island in Hawaii. (laughs) Oh, Moana. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's a, it's definitely Moana. That's that's Montanui, you uncultured swine. <laughs> nope, this is an American modern tale. It's Lilo and Stitch, or the girl who comes out of the TV and murders you. Oh, yeah, yep. Because she did them horror films. So, let me say my piece first, and then I'm going to throw it to each of you to say your pieces about the movie, even though if you guys have been listening to the other parts. And by the way, if you're listening to this without listening to the first parts, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. You're, Get your shit together. You're killing my OCD right now. But <laughs> what I like about the movie is I like the message behind it. I appreciate Nani's struggles, even though she can seem overbearing, you she's literally doing her best. Lilo can definitely be bratty, but she gets... She has her moments. Stitch is a, a very... Stitch, Stitch is really only goes two ways. He's either everyone's favorite, or they think he's overrated. And I can see both merits there, because I can see his appeal, and I can see why people are... They don't get it. You know, he he's, he's basically Lil Sebastian. Some people just don't get it, but but he's he's also the greatest thing ever. So, but is he like a thousand candles in the wind? Oh, uh, my biggest negative, honestly, about the movie is the animation style of how they designed all the humans. Just they nobody looks right, and I know it's not even like oh they did it as a cultural thing. No, they just it's just an an, an animation stylistic choice that isn't my favorite considering what a lot of these other movies look like. But I'm not going to necessarily say it's bad. I'm just saying it's it's odd. Not a bad thing, just an odd thing. Uh, that aside, I appreciate the setting. Although I don't think, even though I, I like the Hawaiian soundtrack that comes with it, I don't think it's as memorable as it could have been. Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is good, and Himali no Lila, Lila, which is in the beginning, but that's also kind of it. You know, they otherwise they incorporate a lot of Elvis. Thank you, thank you very much. Hit, thank you very much. 
But I also can appreciate Stitch's side of doing things and trying to incorp- be loved and sort of go against his own programming. What I actually do like about the movie and thought I, I would have enjoyed seeing more of was their own sci-fi elements that kind of get become the background story. How there's a Galactic Federation, how Earth is Area 51, which I thought was kind of clever. I don't know why all the aliens look like Winnie the Pooh characters, but I know that's what they were designed after, because there's a Piglet, there's a Tigger, there's an Eeyore. They're I all there. I that Earth was a uh, mosquito, um, safe or safe haven for mosquitoes to grow back. Oh, yeah. Ving Rhames saved the planet once. <laughs> Pleakley can get a little overbearing. And Jumba's just a Russian stereotype, but otherwise, he is. Yeah. But it's David Ogden Steers again. But otherwise, uh, there, there's nothing, like, unlikable about it. In fact, the the worst part is, is like, oh, well, here's Captain Gantu. He's the villain, but he's also not really a villain. He's just kind of doing his job and then gets dismissed for taking it too far. So, really, the movie doesn't necessarily have a villain if you want to be truthful about it. But otherwise, I don't have anything against it. I thought it was a really cute story. Um, I appreciate it for what it was. I liked Stitch's incorporation into the Disney character. Stitch is a really fun character to meet in the parks because everybody who plays him has fun with it. So there's not that much more to say about it. My Uh, dog agrees. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear him in the background. Oh, I hear him. Your little Stitch. All right. Yeah, so, so, oh, he's my little stitch. All right. So let's let's start with the negative and work our way up to the positive. Mark, why do you put this movie so low on your list? Can we actually go positive and then negative? <laughs> you don't want me well, to throw you on the spot like that, huh? No, 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 no. I'm I'm ready. I have it. I just I want to hear some positives that might might change my negatives if hearing some positives from a positive viewpoint. Okay, so, Jeff, this is your number one, right? Uh, all, all time, no. He's my favorite character, but not okay. my favorite movie. Okay, but it's like, it's like what, top five on your list, probably? I would put it top ten. Okay, so go ahead and say your piece. Uh, for me, like I said, because Stitch is my favorite character, it's hard for me to, you know, obviously I like it for him. I think he adds so much that we hadn't really seen before where, you know, you can make the point that Stitch is kind of the bad guy in it because he is destructive at times because he doesn't understand what's happening around him. Like you said, he's looking for love. He's looking for acceptance. He's trying to survive. I I look at him as being the, the most outside outsider character Disney has ever created where he really does not belong here but he's doing whatever he can to try to fit in by pretending to be a dog. I look at the, you know, the family of Lilo and Nani, you know, for the longest time in the movie, I thought Nani was the mother because they don't really go into that relationship until a little bit into the movie. I thought that uh, there's just a lot going on that I enjoyed it was one of those moments in the very beginning when Lilo punches that girl. I remember when I first saw the movie, I was like, holy shit, did that just happen in a Disney movie? You don't see little kids just socking other kids in movies like this. But that's also 
in working from the parks, we all know this. That's one of the most realistic things that little kids do is they just sock each other yeah. when they get mad. Yep. <laughs> and I've seen that so many times. You know, again, I do like the soundtrack. I do like Hawaiian Roller Coaster. I like the Elvis songs that they include in it. I like the Wyonona cover of an Elvis song. Oh, yeah, that was actually pretty good, too. Yeah, Burn in Love. Uh, I will agree that Gantu is kind of a... is the villain, but is kind of weak as far as actually being a villain. Right. And you can even say that Bubbles is a villain, especially at parts of the movie, because he's trying to wrangle in Stitch. Sure, but again, he's also doing his job. Yeah. Which is, but, uh, which is, which it's like, well, it makes them villains, but also not. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a cool gray area thing, but that's kind of what a lot of the modern filmmaking Disney movies were doing at the time. Yeah. And like I said, as far as Stitch, for me, he is so cuddly yet so much of an asshole. So I, I just find him enjoyable. And like you said, I've had so many great encounters with the stitches in the park. I remember once I went with a girl that I was friends with, and so I hand-stitched my autograph book, and he throws it to the left. And I'm like, really? So I go, I pick it up, I walk back, I hand him my pen, he throws it to the right. (laughs) (laughs) It it was a time like that where I was... You know, it was pre, you know, everyone having a camera on their cell phone. It would have been one of those great moments that I would love to have had recorded. Because it was just so random and so funny. Because I was not expecting it. That's awesome. Okay. Well, you said a lot of good positive stuff there. Go ahead, Mark. All right. I'm not going to be that ugly, bitter hater. Um, I will say... When we started talking about this, I told you guys, I, you know what? I went back and I rewatched Lilo and Stitch with a very open mind. I'm really good about that. And um, I remember at the beginning of the movie, I, I'm going to start off with one thing that takes me out of – I'm a big comic book reader. One thing that takes me out of a series is the artistic style. If I don't like how they draw the characters, that can really take me out of it no matter how much I love the storyline – or the like the characters themselves. So at the beginning of the movie, I I I did not like their decision of how they did the Hawaiian people. Um, I I remember going, wait, which one is the older sister? And all they had was a different, a lighter shade of hair color. And then I thought Lilo was on stage, and come to find out, no, that was just one of the other two girls that looked exactly like her, just a lighter shade of hair color. So I, I didn't really, the animation style, I had to just suck it up, even though throughout the film, there were parts that I just hated it. Why, but, are, why are you all wet? Cause it's sandwich day. And then she just <laughs> sighs heavily. And I'm like, Oh, she's a brat. Well, and then going back to the music, I, I loved the soundtrack. I love the score. I love the lyrical songs. Um, I think it was a, a real departure from the other Disney movies that were coming out around that time. So I dug that. Um, and as I'm watching the movie, I still went, Stitch is who Stitch is. But to me, he just was not lovable with the mayhem he created. And then the poor sister trying to keep the family together. And I felt like 
even though Lilo said, yeah, I want to, I want to stay here. I was like, really? Cause you're doing your best job to get taken out of your sister's custody. And then as I kept watching it, the, the one who sent the stitch creator after him, who's in charge of everything. She reminded me of someone. I was like, who the hell does she remind me of? Do you remember in monsters university, the Dean of the university, Go yes. back and watch that. They are very similar voiced and appearance. So that I had a good laugh at. And then as I started watching the film, I started thinking, I go, what does Stitch remind me of? What does Lilo remind me of? I thought of, okay, now feel free to shoot this down and tell me I'm way off. But all I kept thinking about the whole time is, man, this is a great spinoff of um, Rocket and Peter Quill. Rocket being Stitch, like just getting used to being in the world after the experiments. And then Peter Quill, if he was like a little kid trying to be friends with Rocket, I was like, man, this would be a great movie idea. So, but anyways, overall, the film is okay. Um, I don't get the appeal of Stitch, just like, Ben doesn't get why Pawnee loves little Sebastian. And you're both um, wrong. <laughs> I, first off, I love little Sebastian. But anyways, um, I, I don't get the appeal of Stitch, but he is one of the best characters to meet. Um, and I love seeing how much fun Stitch has when he meets people. But as a film, it's okay. I definitely like elements, but if just if it's kind of like if Stitch wasn't oversaturated, like Frozen, maybe I would like it more. And if it, the film was drawn differently, I would maybe like it more. Okay. I think that was a very fair assessment. And I, I have no problem with anyone. I joke all the time, but. Everyone has their opinion. I look at it this yeah. way. There's plenty of things that I like that people hate. Yeah. And so that's what makes it fine that I love Stitch. You don't have to because my love for him is infinite. And I love, I do love how happy Stitch makes people. I do love that. I'm glad so many people can connect that way. Are none of you going to like comment on my Rocket and Peter Quill comparison? <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> I, I can't argue it. Uh, <laughs> it was pre-Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So. Yeah, there, there is that. that. And notice for all you nerds out there, I said movies, not comics. I'm well aware when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. But yeah, no, it's... Yeah, I get it. All right, so I think that's uh, at what we've already kind of talked about it a lot in the other episodes. Yep. I think we can kind of wrap up the Lilo and Stitch edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. <laughs> also, one last thing about Lilo and Stitch. This this might get me some heat, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway. That is the worst ride I have ever been on in any theme park ever. Oh, I'm not gonna argue that fact. I was so disappointed in that. Chris, say attraction, don't say ride. It, attraction. It is not a ride. It sucked. It is terrible. It is awful. Bring back Alien Encounter. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And the fact that it was in Magic Kingdom 
you know, people are like, it's a scary ride at Disney. No, it was in Magic Freaking Kingdom, which is what makes it yeah. even. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Stitch's Great Escape can go away for good. Yeah. Just it, done. No matter how much I love Stitch, I, even I was like, okay, well, this kind of sucks. Because it, it does. Big time. All right. Now we're going to talk about another movie that I actually feel bad putting this low on the list because it's super underrated and underappreciated. It deserves another look. But it's number 15, so cut me some slack here. This is one of the best high adventure movies Disney has ever produced. It's called Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Yay! And it's so good. Yeah. Because it's a formula breaker. Yeah. Just do a straight-up adventure film with dark tones that actively show people getting killed on camera. And it's got a, it's got the twist, but you can see it coming, too, so it's not that much of a twist. It's just like, yup, that's where this yeah. is going. But then it untwists itself by having almost everybody except the two main villains be like, no, we're not doing this. This wasn't in the plan. So, Atlantis is the story of Michael J. Fox. Love him. Love it. And he is going to carry on his grandfather's legacy. And he is going to discover Atlantis just like his granddad wanted him to. And he saddles up with the same crew. He gets his financial backer. And they go to... They discover... Atlantis. They discover the culture. They discover all this cool stuff about it. And then, because the outsiders always fix the problem that the culture couldn't figure out in a thousand years. (laughs) That always happens. It's a stereotypical thing, but it works for storytelling. They discover the power, because he's able to read Atlantean, even though nobody else can. It's like, this knowledge has been lost to us. Like, but you're a thousand years old. You, uh, I guess you just forgot. Oh, well, it happens. But, hey, they know every other language, although they do speak a lot of English. <laughs> also, that's actually a complaint of mine, is they're all talking English when they're encountering them. And they don't think to speak English until they're actually being spoken to. Although, I love when the mole hears French and he whispers something very inappropriate. And gets punched. Yes. You're just like, oh, I wonder what he said. Draw your own conclusions. Um, but no, this is a really good movie. This is an action-adventure movie. And a damn good one. And it looks phenomenal. This is another one where some of the animation choices can be a little questionable the first time I saw it. But the more I watch it, I'm like, no. They're doing that old-style 60s comic style. And now it's yes. one of my favorite animation styles. Yep. And I remember I remember the exact moment I had that like transition and I'm just like, no, wait a minute, this is brilliant. Yeah, the movie actually pretty dark with how many people just get offed right there on camera. So I I'll give this one a lot of credit for having a lot of balls. It's a it's a bit more adult oriented, has an amazing cast. I love apparently every single one of the Italian demolition guy. Victor, I think his name is? Or Vincent, Vincent. Every every one of Vinny's lines was improv. Because <laughs> every time he came up with a line, he just went went further with it. You know, 
I'm going to open up the flower shop Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Uh, I'm probably going to take maybe do a half day on Saturday, take Sundays off. August. Yeah, I'm going to take August off. I also I also love when they're like, wait, could this volcano blow? No, that would take a huge explosion. And you just see him fiddling with the dynamite. Uh, maybe I should do this later, guys. Oh, uh, it's it's really good. You know, the and like. Rourke isn't, like, the best villain, but he gets that crazy-ass look in his eye when he's trying to just flat-out murder Milo. You're just yeah. like, dude, fuck this guy. Plus, it's James Garner who just has that voice and that gravitas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you just have to back away because you don't know what is going to come out of his mouth. And... I'm going to give a shout-out to James Newton Howard who did the score for it. I think it's... Score's you can amazing. Argue, you can arguably put it in the top ten Disney animated scores. I'll I'll be that guy and say it like that score for the film. If you just listen to it, even by itself, it's so good. It is. It's incredible. Ugh, why they're always carrots? I didn't even eat carrots. <laughs> the The lines are so funny, and I love the uh, I love the crew. They all have they all have distinct personalities. They're all likable. Uh, I mean, I actually feel kind of bad that Jim Varney passed away before the movie came out. He never got to see his final performance. Mm. But uh, I also understand he knew that was going to happen. And there's like yeah. there's like a couple when uh when Cookie saying goodbye to Milo. That's actually not him. They had to use a voice du- double because his health was so weak. And when you're yeah. reading that, you're like, uh, I can't do this. Oh. They should have just gotten Blake Clark. Yeah. Because that's been his replacement ever since. But it, it works. But yeah, I uh I really, really liked uh I really, really like this movie, and I think it needs way more recognition than what it has, because it's so good. It's and Michael J. Fox is perfectly cast as Milo. It's he's basically just playing himself. He's basically playing I mean, he's playing Marty. <laughs> he's 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 over he's over eccentric and over excited. Ah, nerdier Marty. <laughs> oh, come on, Marty. It's it's your kids, Milo. Something's got to be done about your kids. <laughs> we're we're actually okay with that. Oh, did you did you know peanut butter was invented by an Atlantean? No, too late, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, uh, you know, Cree Summer, for being such a popular voice actress and being all over the place, as Kida, she does a fantastic job. And Kida needs more recognition as not only is she actually a princess, but she's a badass. Yep. In fact, she could whoop that, that princess scene that I talk, talked about Ralph Breaks the Internet. Take all of them with those elements and everything. Put Kida in there. She'd whip half their asses in one yep. shot. And only Half. a well, a couple can stand up to her. Like I, I think, uh, and that's what I'm going to say. More seventy five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mulan and Moana, she's going to struggle with. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> and if and if Elsa's using her powers, yeah, but she's going to whoop a lot of ass. Merida better just stay in the back and fire because if she gets up close, she's going to kick her ass too. Yeah, Kido will kick a lot of your asses. Yeah, this is a really freaking good movie, and I. I, 
I'm just like, ah, oh, 15th, really? But I'm like, no, it, it's got to be because it's, it's just so good. I was I was hoping it would be in your top 15. Well, it made the cut, literally. Yep. Yeah, it's it's good. All right. And here here's a fun fact that I'm reading about. So Michael J. Fox was offered two roles at the same time. This or Titan AE. Oh, he chose right. And he let his kids decide what movie he did. His kids chose correctly because Titan AE is very forgotten about. I've actually yeah. ne- I've never seen it. I heard it is entertaining, but it's it's not a cultural impact movie. I think it was ahead of its time. I think uh, maybe done a, like five, ten years later, it would be a little bit better and better developed. Um, but yeah, check it out. You're not wasting your time checking it out. That's good. All right, so there's four more movies to discuss, and if you've got the list in front of you, you're probably like, well, damn, how could this get any bigger? That's, well, that's it what actu- she said. <laughs> it, actually, it actually can. Because we can take that action-adventure stuff and we can intensify it. What if you took a Marvel graphic novel and Ooh. turned it into an exciting action film with one of the biggest emotional scenes ever in any Disney movie? And for your setting, you're like, well, what if San Francisco was Japanese? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where we got Big Hero 6 from. Another underappreciated movie. Except yes. Big Hero 6 is underappreciated because it came out after Frozen. Yes. And sadly, it gets it gets forgotten about in the shuffle. Uh, Big Hero 6 is absolutely incredible and amazing and deserves all the recognition in the world. It I is. mean, I, I, I haven't seen it because I haven't seen Big Hero 1 through 5 either. So. <laughs> oh. Man, you're going you're gonna to hate trying to catch up on those Naked Gun movies, let me tell you. so yeah uh i'm pretty sure somebody even said that too they're like well where do i find the first couple big heroes like they were like moms on twitter looking for the first ones oh but yeah good old hiro hamada is a and only honey lemon pronounces his name correctly she does the Mm -hmm. hito yeah he's um his brother's a big a big genius inventor and he's going he's going to school and all his friends are brilliant and all he can do is come up with microbots but his microbots get showcased and then a big old asshole comes along to try to steal his invention but we all know what part I got to talk about here and that's uh what happens to Takashi cuz yeah. my god they uh they, I'm like, yup, they went full on, full on funeral. His brother's dead trying to be a hero. And now he's going to relate to Baymax, his ultimate invention. And I'll say this right now. When it comes to adorable characters, even you, though you can put Stitch on that pedestal, I would take Baymax over Stitch. Yeah, especially when he's got the cat, hairy baby. Oh, <laughs> I love Baymax. Baymax is one of my favorite parts of the movie. He's just, he's so lovable. And he's, he's so. He's also a, a very fun meet and greet. If anyone hasn't had the chance, meet Baymax. And and you have to fist bump him. Yeah. La la la. <laughs> oh, Baymax. But yeah, it's, uh, I love the, the story, the story progression. You, it's, it's, 
it's basically it's a Bruce Wayne tale in in a way. Somebody he Ooh. loves, somebody he loves, gets killed. I, what if we went more Iron Man? Okay, well, all right, it's a Tony Stark tale, except he's not an eccentric billionaire. <laughs> well, yeah, then you can't say that about Bruce Wayne either. Heyo. Yeah, it's true. So get your shit together, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> We got to do a ranking of all the Batman movies. That one, we'll, uh, we'll get into fights about that one. Well, if that's a fun segue, if anybody wants to read my blog about originals first sequels, I did Batman versus Batman Returns. Guess which one I disagree with. <laughs> Anyways, read the blog, find out. Ask yeah, about it. <laughs> you can you can do that. But yeah, I like where the film ends up going. You know, it, it becomes they actually become superheroes. Not actual hero heroes, but the the equivalent of, okay, well, we're really good at inventing stuff, so we'll use that to our advantage. And then, of course, here comes the big twist. The villain's not who you think it is. And another heart-wrenching emotional moment when Baymax sacrifices himself until you realize that he actually didn't. And this got a series that I have not watched on Disney Plus yet, but I've heard, but I'm intrigued by it because I love the source material. It's a lot of fun. I've I will admit I haven't seen it all. The episodes I have checked out, it's a lot of. And oh, and, and for the record, I'm with Chris on this one as far as the Batman versus Batman Return. <laughs> Thank you for going and checking it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only one, like. Because you said it was 3-2, and this one I'm 4-1. Yeah, the other one's oh. Toy Story. But yeah, that, that's... that's an unfair one, because that's also one of my favorite Pixar movies. So Yeah, that one actually, when I had my answer, and then I went back and did a double feature of Toy Story versus Toy Story 2, and my answer changed twice after Damn. like watching it, and then writing it out i had my other i had a different result when i wrote it out and then i realized wait a minute no i like it the other way around well that's so. what's that's what's interesting about this like i'm in number 14 talking about big hero 6 which is one of the coolest things i've ever seen disney do and at the same time i'm like well you know what it ranking this stuff really puts things in perspective because there's still 13 movies i liked more yeah. than this one and they're all big and deserve a lot of merit but yeah, can we can we talk about the Stan Lee cameo? Ah, uh, we have to talk about the Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> How often do you get to talk about a Stan Lee cameo in a Disney animated podcast? Well, once, yeah, one time, and it's the best yeah. ca- It's the best possible cameo too. Yeah, disagree, Malrats. Did, did uh, okay, all right. Damn it. I will say it's not his best cameo, but I think it's a great cameo outside the MCU. I also like his appearance on Big Bang Theory. Yep. <laughs> just recently saw that one again. If you think you could gets... just come over to my house whenever you want? Why don't you just come in and watch the Lakers game with me? Well, I'm not much of a sports fan, but okay. And then he, you ever he... get a ch- chance to watch Teen Titans go? Yes, Stanley yep. has a DC yep. animated <laughs> movie cameo. That's crazy. Yeah, I did see that one as well. Yeah, but... this... Did you yes, also catch I, his cameo in Ralph Breaks the Internet? Yep. Yes. 
Oh, I totally forgot he was in that one. Yeah, I totally forgot that. She, the one of the little avatars that they bump into is is him when she's running from the stormtroopers. Yep, it's but, Stanley. Uh, I love Big Hero Six. I will. I think it's also a very beautifully animated movie. Um, yes, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of. Um, it, I guess the best way to put it would be like I would call it Las Vegas tones. Because yeah. it's a very brightly, colorfully lit city. And then, from a merchandise perspective, I will admit one thing I was sad. I never saw Disney sell was the brother's hat for San Francisco. Oh, that would have been I, good, I, yeah. I don't know why, but I just loved that hat and wish I could have found it. And they sell the Monsters U hat. I know. The one that the one that Jim's wearing. Yeah. And I call him Jim. It's Frank, but we all know who voices him. Hey, uh, uh, Mike Wazowski. Uh, Mike Wazowski. John Goodman. So, no, yeah, let... Billy Crystal. Oh, sorry, yep. <laughs> Wrong one. Uh, yep. Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. But yeah, Big Hero 6, definitely give that one another look. All right. What film is going to go in the lucky number 13 slot? Well, I'll just say this right now. No touchy. No touchy. Uh, see, no. Oh, That's it... top, five, top five for me. There you, yeah. Well, uh, you know what? It's fantastic, and it deserves it needs... to be. Uh, I would go top ten. Yeah. So even though I'm going to highly praise The Emperor's New Groove right now, y'all are going to disagree with me. But yeah, this movie's friggin' brilliant. And this is another one that broke the formula. Yeah. Because it's got one actual song in it, which is an egotistic little song dream. And then the movie itself is just a huge comedy. And it's yeah. so good. The it's vi- a laugh out loud a, comedy. It is 100% a laugh out loud comedy between, between – and the casting is so brilliant. In fact, as you guys probably know, how did John Goodman get the role of Sully? Because he did a great job as Pacha. And they were like, they were like, they brought him in for a Pixar project. Didn't know that. Yep. So yeah, oh my god, freaking David Spade as Cusco is brilliant, and all his egos, his one-liners, and then when he gets turned into a llama, his existential crisis. Uh, freaking Isma is the best villain, and Kronk is the best henchman. <laughs> and I they... see the reason why it's so high on my list. Is how quotable it is. Oh, Between it's so quotable. quotes and Isma's quotes, and of course everything that comes out of Kronk. It's so. He was supposed to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. weird. <laughs> or when he's when he's arguing with his own his own shoulder angel and devil, and it cuts back, and he's just talking to himself. I love. Squeak! 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 Sneaking out of the city and he's doing his own theme music. <laughs> and then he freezes. Oh, and he freezes on the note. Oh, Shab rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you threw off the Emperor's groove. Sorry. Oh, it's Piglet. <laughs> yeah. Don't throw off his groove. Beware the groove. I'm a tough guy. 
I also, and of course, how many times have you pulled the lever in your life and and well, said those well, words? Every why? attractions cat. Why do we <laughs> every even attractions employee? Yeah. Why do we even have that lever? <clears throat> oh my god, it's it's so good. So yeah, you guys can definitely argue that the movie should be higher on my list, and I will not disagree with you on that one because it is that brilliant. If any of you out there have never seen The Emperor's New Groove, can you guys all do yourself a favor and go watch it? You're going to love it. It's hysterical. Now, I, let me ask you this. Would you say it's also Disney's funniest animated movie? Yes, because when I always think of really good comedic Disney animated movies, it's either I always end up thinking of Goofy Movie as yeah. one of the tops. Hercules, yeah, which has a lot of good comedy, and this one. So yes, absolutely. When it comes, I don't to... even think it's close. I, I think this hands down. Well, this one also focuses on being an all comedy. Yeah. So it's got that. Hercules and Goofy movie aren't full comedies. They're Not just right. comedic takes on stuff. You know, Goofy movies a is a is a son and father story with heart and drama and everything. Um, you even say the same thing about Hercules. Yes, yes, exactly. Emperor's New Groove only has one true dramatic moment when he comes to terms with, with what he is and argues with his own narration. I also love when he stops the movie and is just, <laughs> no, we're not talking about him. Me, not him. None of this. And he's just, oh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's so good. Plus, I used a line from this for one of my favorite times when I tried to ER from Disney. I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? <laughs> Your excuse. It did not work for me, though. Oh. <laughs> I, I love... I love when he's turning into a llama and Yzma's having a panic attack and she's making the spinach puff reference and she's <laughs> like, hit him on the head! <laughs> oh, and shout out. I, I remember it and there's pictures of him. One of the Disney marathoners dressed up as Kronk with the uh, with the thing. Yes, I saw that. And shout out to that gentleman for the commitment and just everything. Just shout out to you, sir. I also love that when they're camping, Kronk's in a tent that's just covering his ankles. (laughs) And he's got his little teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really good Really, really good movie. It criminally underrated in the Disney library. Agreed. Actually, I'm looking at the rest of my list here, and I think this is the last underappreciated movie because everything else is a has a is a pretty popular and has a good following, uh, except for maybe one, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But it won't be on this list. It'll be. It's in my top ten for a reason. But yes, Emperor's New Groove, amazing. So now for number 12. We only got two more movies to talk about here. And these are both very popular films uh, and are two that have really stuck with me after seeing them. But the first one we're going to talk about at number 12 is the oldest remaining movie on the list. It's, in fact, one of the only real classics we haven't talked about yet. This was my childhood favorite. And... It's a story about one Dalmatian, two Dalmatians, and then a lot of Dalmatians. <laughs> Let's just say there's a lot of Dalmatians in this movie. Do, anybody know how many? 
I think there's 96. God. Uh, oh, damn. Which which I one did you forget? Got, <laughs> I, I think we've got 99 Dalmatians, but Pongo ain't one. Oh, well, well done. Yes. I so love <laughs> So I, I love 101 Dalmatians. And what works about this movie, it stuck with me so long as being a kid, but even rewatching it, like, I'm still so blown away about how good this movie was for what it was. And I think this movie got a little overshadowed by the princess tales that were all coming out around it. But yet it still sticks in because of the Cruella de Vil is still Mm -hmm. a considered a classic villain. And again, she's another one. She has no powers. She's not really evil with the, her plotting. She's just a fur connoisseur who somehow decided puppy fur, which is an evil thing on its own, was going to be her new thing and kidnaps puppies. Again, not the the most dramatic of things, but enough to be like, dude, screw her. And that hairstyle, what is up? What what is up with that hair? Oh, her her tutu oh, hair. My god, oh. Becky, look at her hair. <laughs> well, you can't look at her butt because she's freaking anorexic, so she probably doesn't have one. Which is why I said look at her hair. Yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna say it. I I think I love the live action movie just as much. So I'm, I don't love it as much as the animated, but there's, uh, when we get to it, I'll tell you what it is about the live action one that makes it work for me. Uh-huh. Uh, but cause, cause I like the, the talk. I like all of the dog communication and everything. And I like the, uh, the other animals that, that come in. I like the fact that Roger actually gets a, uh, his song is a real song in the contents of the movie. Yes. Cause it actually becomes a hit. <laughs> it's play. It's like, it becomes an elevator song. It's uh, it, because the movie is so centered in reality that actually makes the situation that they're dealing with more daunting. Like the hysteria of having your animals, ki- like having these puppies get kidnapped and then your dogs run away because they're trying to save them. And the fact that she's going to murder innocent little puppies just to make a fur coat, which is just so horrible. Ah, you got to you take all those elements. You're like, damn, this is really good. And of all the classic Disney movies, this one will always be my favorite. Of all those old movies predating the 1980s, this one will always be my number one. I don't think anything's going to ever surpass it. Uh, the Cruella de Vil song is a classic. It is absolutely classic. He's having way too much fun writing that song. Yep. Um, and you know what? He seems like a bumbling idiot when Pongo's trying to introduce him because he's just this lowly-ass American living in London with just his Dalmatian. And Pongo's just like, well, I want to meet... My human needs a person, and <laughs> I'd also like to tap that. So oh, wow. <laughs> let's, let's throw her in the mud and see how that works out. Pongo and Perdita are very likable characters, and I like the, the the core fifteen Dalmatians as characters are are pretty entertaining. Um, it's really sad when you think one didn't make it, and then they're just like, "No, I'm going to rub it, and it's going to be fine." Um, other than Rolly, who just needs to stop whining about food, but I totally get it because I am Rolly. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, they're all hungry, kid. None of them have eaten. 
But, uh, did you also notice the TV show that they're watching when Jasper and Horace are watching them? I always thought this was really interesting. The game show is to win a vacation if you can guess the crime that the person committed. (laughs) That is one of the funniest things ever. (laughs) I love that they threw that in there. Also, that Twilight Bark scene. For all we know, that's a real thing. We don't... (laughs) We're we're humans. For all we know, that that's something that's happening. That every time all the dogs in the neighborhood go nuts, they're communicating with each other. You don't know. Do you speak dog? I don't speak dog. I, I always assume that they are. Like whenever I'm walking home and a dog is barking at me, I just assume he's warning my dog that I'm coming home. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, does anybody else just absolutely feel that tension when they're all covered in soot and they're trying to sneak right past Cruella and she's just glaring at them? Like, that's real tension right there. Yeah. Just keep moving. Keep fucking moving, kids. And poor Lucky. I think he's the one that... Does not live up to the name. Well, I, I think he's the one that almost doesn't make it. So... Yeah, I think that's why they call him Lucky. He's the runt of the litter, yeah. Kind of feel bad for him, but yeah. And uh, the other animal characters are fun too. They're not like as I I do enjoy Lady and the Tramp and the other characters like Trusty and Jock and all that. But I think uh, 101 Dalmatians has the better cast with with Sarge the cat. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Just snapping to attention. And did you also notice Lady and the Tramp make a cameo? They are they're part of the Twilight Bark. Huh. They are. Yep, they're in there. So the one thing that I think the live action film did way better than this one was Jasper and Horace. Because it's Dr. House and Mr. Weasley. Yep. And that is the best thing ever. And if Jasper and Horace are just nothing but bumbling sidekicks when they're animated, but when they're live action, they are phenomenal. Well, also, Glenn Close is amazing. As I actually Cruella do Bell. really like her role as Cruella. I don't know if I could say I like it more, but I, I really like it, and I think she does a great job. And I like Jeff Daniels, too. Yes. Yes, he's very good, too. He's not so dumb. Well, and then I always, <laughs> I always loved being in the... That was good. I loved being in the um, soundstage for the Toy Story Mania ride, because that's where they filmed portions of the live action 101 Dalmatians. Ah, yes. So that's, so. that's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I gotta mention it. I love the Simpsons episode. Two dozen and one <laughs> greyhounds. When <laughs> yeah. Miss, Mr. Burns sings a Be My Guest parody <laughs> of all the animals that he's killed and made into goats. Yep. <laughs> See my, see my loafers, former gophers. See my loafers, former gophers. And then Bart's just singing. <laughs> and then, of course, you're all standing up like a bunch of little Rory Calhouns. <laughs> I also have to point out that Mr. Burns' basement is really unimpressive considering what the rest of the house looks like. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, that's another good one here. And we know we... that's a good conversation for a podcast, Chris. Yeah, we might get to that sometime. We'll get to that episode in like 2025, at the rate if we're, you're we're lucky. Going, at the rate I'm going. But yeah, 101 Dalmatians, a childhood favorite, and I will always, always be a fan. So now we come to the last movie that we're going to talk about 
before we head into top 10 territory, the Elite 10. Would anybody like to ca- to uh, take a guess? I'll let y'all think about it. You can ponder it. But let's I just... Know. All right, let's just say that the princess in this movie is probably the most heroic princess in all of Disney fandom. <laughs> Foul Mulan. She saves an entire country. Yep, as soon as you said brave, um, or, yeah, I was like, okay, yep, this is Mulan. Oh, yeah. It's definitely Mulan. And this is a movie that's only, that, that's only gro- like, I liked it the first time I saw it, but it's grown on me even more. More times I've watched it. And I actually am intrigued to see the live action one, even though I know they've they're taking out the music and the uh, the more fantasy stuff. But I'm still intrigued yeah. to see it. But ever since they started doing live action movies, I the first two I always asked were for Mulan and Atlantis. So I'm getting one of the two. Uh, Atlantis would be would be a blow away. So yeah, so Mulan is brilliant. Because it's a huge focal point on one character's heart, soul, determination, and ethics. And how they oversee everything else. She doesn't do anything for love. Whatever she falls for Li Shang or whatever. She doesn't do anything for her own selfish reasons. She just, she wants to protect her father and she's going to do it at any cost necessary. And sticks with it. And there's a there's a great series on YouTube called uh, they rank it's they rank characters and stuff from good to evil. And one of the things they did was the Disney princesses from most good to least good. And Mulan was their number one pick for most good. But they do point out that she also has the highest body count of any <laughs> Disney princess because when she starts that avalanche, she does wipe out about a thousand Huns yes. in one fell swoop. Cause only, yeah, but a lot of them did survive somehow. Like eight survived. She killed the rest of them. But yeah. you know what else works for this movie? The comedy parts are very good. And yeah, yeah. you don't you don't like a lot of the other characters because they're picking on her when she's in her training camp. But once she proves that we can make a man out of her, which is one of my favorite Disney songs ever, by the way. I will even confess that song. If I ever need some extra motivation while I'm running, oh yeah, that song is on my running mix. <laughs> it's it's a it's a good one, and I have a Donny Osmond story for you guys. Uh, he was performing at the American Music Theater here in Lancaster and was staying at our hotel, so we had him all set up in the really nice suite and everything. And, <laughs> nice little shout out. And there was a bunch of these people just congregating in the lobby, and I realized that they were like. His bus driver actually calls the front desk and he's like, uh, yeah, can we do something about this? Because I don't want them to, like, harass him or anything. So, unfortunately, it was off-season time, so it was just me and the one manager on duty who was who worked in the sales department and was actually the one who orchestrated uh, all of his arrangements for the hotel, Kathy. Shout out to Kathy. I don't know if you're listening to this or not. but Hey, Kathy. Hey, Kathy. So... So Kathy and I are just, we're like, so we watch him come into the lobby and we see the people kind of come up to him and she's like, all right, if anybody looks like they're getting out of control, I'm going to ask them to congregate. But it's Donny Osmond. So he talked to every single person. He signed their autographs. He took their pictures. He came, he talked to us for a little bit. 
he thanked us for everything in the hotel. We asked him if there was anything we could do, and he did the, you know, the standard, no, whatever. We bullshitted, and he went to bed, and he was a super nice guy. Ugh, yay, nice celebrities. My favorite celebrity story involves Ray Park, who was at Star Wars Weekend. He was doing a meet and greet, and his handler was like, okay, we got to go. You're needed across Park. And he goes, look at this line. There's 50 people still here. I'm not leaving until I sign everything. Yeah, good, good guy. That's the that's always going to be the right attitude to have. And I've heard lots of horror stories of people who don't feel that way. But but yeah. yes, no, Mulan is great. Um, we got it. Got to throw it out there too. You know what? Everybody loves Donkey, and that's great. But Mushu it might be a better character overall. I I can't argue with that. And if you disagree, then dishonor on you, <laughs> dishonor on your family, and dishonor on your cow. Well, and I'm also I'll be the music guy on the show. I'm going to give a shout out. Jerry Goldsmith's score is amazing, and I think it was another example of Disney trying something different sound wise. Plus, Jerry Goldsmith, like listen to his movie scores. He, you'll recognize them. He did the Star Trek like theme, like yeah. Check out Jerry Goldsmith, and then I will also say the song "Reflections." I think is one of Disney's best. Yeah, I that's another that top. It's another top tier Disney song. In fact, my only real problem with the soundtrack is when you remove when you remove those two songs, the rest of it is kind of just like like a girl worth fighting for isn't really as memorable Aww. as it should be. It's not. But I, I like it because every war-type movie, and it is a war-type movie, has, like, that soldier camaraderie scene. And they said, you know, we're going to make a musical out of the soldiers kind of coming be- together to be friends. Oh, and, and then the- there's Mulan trying to fit in. <laughs> you know what, though? That ending part, though, when they come across the de- the destroyed village, that's that's just a oh. shot. And they did. They find the general's helmet, and she finds the little yeah. girl's doll, and you're just like, "Oh, this is," but this is what war is. Well, it's because Mulan is she the reason that village was destroyed because of that doll? We don't remember. I think they found the doll or something like that. I don't. Know, I got to go back and watch. I just yeah might it's... have thrown a uh, accusation out there with no basis. Yeah, but but you know what? She does cause an avalanche and wipe out that freaking army. So. And if we're talking the soundtrack, I know it's a cheesy song, but I do like True to Your Heart with 98 Degrees and Stevie Wonder. No, that is, I, I'm i glad you're bringing that one up. I'll defend it. I'll defend it, too. Is it cheesy? Yes, but it's such a, the, the, the melody between all of their voices is awesome. And it's, again, you're looking for inspiration. There's your inspiration song. There you Look, go. anything with Stevie Wonder, feel free to always bring up. Oh my God, this the and then like I said, the movie as a whole is just it's a it's an it's on an epic scale. Yeah, and I also like the fact that she will not give up. Like she knows a couple of the Huns survived, and when she goes after Li Shang, and he's still like, she's like, you know, when you thought I was Poe, or is that was that the name she takes? Is it Poe? I... Yes. Uh, yes. Or, or yes. Ping. Ping, sorry. Ping. There we go. I was Ping. thinking of Kung Fu Panda. Oh. Which is also good. Oh, yay. DreamWorks shout out. Also, also saves China. <laughs> <laughs> Just a different way. 
Yeah, Dream, yeah, here yeah. we go. I brought up the works again. But yeah. but I love the fact well, you that you brought up Donkey as well. <laughs> but she, she, I love that confrontation where she's like, you know, you trusted Ping. Why is Fa Mulan any different? That's one of my favorite yeah. lines. And then, of course, I think after disguising herself as a boy to be a hero, the only way to save the emperor is to disguise them all as geisha girls. I think there's just so much punch in the face to any sexism in this movie. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's. And then I'm going to say also check out the poster for it. The red and black one, even with the font at the bottom for the cast, it is one of Disney's best posters. And I do like the fact that they use so many Asian voices in it that they could have easily, you know, whitewashing is always a, a horrible thing to do. But when you've got Ming-Na Wen, you've got James Hong, Pat Morita, George Takei, all providing voices, Gede uh, Watanabe, I mean, such big names to throw in there as well for the cast. Yep. But really, the only only voice that doesn't really fit would be Eddie Murphy. But well, we have Harvey uh, Firestein. Yes, who, uh, he he's he gets, hilarious. He gets a we'll pass. He gets yeah, a we'll pass for being as good as he is. And again, you don't expect in a movie that takes place where it does someone named Miguel Ferrar. Also, I was gonna laugh, and you're like they. They're like you're talking about all the whitewashing, and then and it's just like stairs, stairs, and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but again, Eddie Murphy needs to be in this. the The dragon yeah. spirit didn't have to be Asian. Yeah. So agreed. Yeah, Mulan is absolutely brilliant, and I've only appreciated it more after I've seen it more because I appreciate the character more. But that's it. That was that was uh, the first half of the top twenty. So I've only got ten films remaining. And is there anything on that part of the list that's actually surprising you? Without, I wouldn't say surprising. No. Um, I mean, without I, actually saying the name of the movie, because I don't yeah. want because if people haven't figured it out, I don't want to. I don't want to hint at stuff just yet, but you've noticed that there's a couple of movies that I haven't talked about yet that you might genuinely be surprised made it into my top 10, but they it are in like, my top 10 for a reason. looks like Michael Eisner's favorite from his 10 years on your uh, top 10. Oh, I actually don't know what that is, but don't tell me yeah. till we get to it. We'll, we'll make okay. that the teaser. Um, where has your number one film ended up? We don't know yet. Oh, that's awesome. Actually, my, yeah. In fact, my, my top two have not been. There we go. Okay. My my top one hasn't been said yet. So they do make my top ten, so I don't want to yes. hear any. Even if we talk about it next, I don't want to hear any complaints. Okay. No promises. Actually, no, I won't. Um, I'm oh, you, oh, oh no, something. you're you're promising. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. My fingers are crossed. You can't see it because it's an audio podcast. Do you solemnly swear that you are up to no good? I, I always solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. You've met me before. Come yes, on now. That's true. How dare you say that on the Battle of Hogwarts? How, how dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> so, yes, when we come back to you guys next week for the final edition of This Chris Rings the Universe, we will reveal my top ten. And if you've been keeping along and keeping track, you can definitely see where ten of those movies are missing 
but you may not know where they're ending up. And have does anybody know what my number one is? Will it actually surprise you? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm not actually sure if that movie being number one will surprise you or not. But Come on, Shrek. We're going to get to it. Yes, it's going to be Shrek. Actually, no. It would be How to Train Your Dragon. Good choice. That's my favorite DreamWorks movie. Love the soundtrack. What is not over the hedge? <laughs> it, it is emphatically not over the hedge. <laughs> okay, Speaking so, of the internet, I win. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. the reason I don't want to do a ranking project of DreamWorks movies is because DreamWorks focuses so much on uh, on quantity over quality. And Ooh. they cash out a lot of sequels as a uh, cash grab. Basically, as a cash grab. Yeah, is exactly what I was saying. I was, I was like, how do I want to word this? But no, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Like, you look at the list. First of all, Trolls World World Tour made was made at thirty eight movies. That's a lot of movies to watch. And then you start looking at what's on there, and you're like, uh, some of these I don't want to do. But you know what? I will do. I will totally do an episode. And do a top 10 DreamWorks movies, even though I quote-unquote spoiled number one. But I can probably go through and tell you which ones. Kung Fu Panda and Kung Fu Panda 2 are very good flicks. I did not see the third one, but I have seen the second one. And I still like the first one the best. Yeah. Um, I actually, other than all four Shrek movies, I haven't seen like any sequels to anything. I have never saw any of the How to Train Your Dragon sequels. Never saw the last... Never saw any of the Madagascar sequels. I never yeah. saw... Um, what about Monsters vs. Aliens? Underrated and underappreciated. Yeah. Especially especially Bob the Blob, who keeps eating the guardrails. <laughs> oh, that's oh, feels so good. It turns out you don't need a brain. <laughs> exactly, the Seth Rogen laugh. So yes, watch... I have ten movies remaining, and I'm sure... The more astute among you will realize that the oldest one is 1991. But yes, the the bottom line is the modern 90s and most modern Disney movies are my favorites. And now you get to see where they pop up. But you've noticed we haven't talked about some stuff that I know is going to surprise people. But we will discuss it. And then other stuff you're just like... Oh, of course that's in your top ten. It's, in fact, there's three movies from the 90s that I bet no one's surprise ended up in my top ten. Because I literally grew up with them. But I will not reveal where they are on the list till we get to it. And you will Yay. be surprised. There will be surprises in store. So, Mark, Jeff, yep. thank you guys once again. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. For seeing us through. And I next week will be the final episode for this disney animation project i hope you guys are straddled in and enjoy and there will probably be more dreamworks references in fact i think this you guys the last last week we went through way too many wrestling references this time it was dreamworks yeah what can i possibly reference next week probably at least another wrestling reference but probably there'll probably be like 12 more But that wraps it up, guys, for Chris Ranks the Universe. We'll see you guys next week for the top ten. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The top ten. Top ten. So in other words, in the immortal words of the rock band Europe, we are in the final countdown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Journey. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I no longer have broken the internet for, with for my, all, over the edge. Send, send, all, send all hate mail comments to markedreviews.wordpress.com. Okay. <laughs> that'll, that'll about wrap us up, guys. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. See you. Bye.